Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Fire up for pro football. That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad. Wouldn't kill you. We'd play some competitive sports once in a while, wouldn't it? Oh, would that make you love me? Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Football Sunday. It is 10.05 on your Sunday morning. Text line is the Better You Today text line at 55305. Send your thoughts there. Wanted to get a little bit more on the beeves here before we switch gears to the NFL the rest of this hour. This uh, beef fan, P1 Dustin, not liking the beeves. My beeves will win one game this year against Cal Poly. It'll be 52-49. Hawaii is going to crush them. My $100 bet on the under two and a half wins is looking great. Stop with positives. They're a dumpster fire of the highest order. Sick of moral victories. Wins and losses are all that matter. I understand. Look, I I, I get it. I, I, I understand being a fan of a bad team. It is really, really difficult. And when you keep losing and it's not looking better, it gets really, really frustrating. But here's the reality. All Oregon State fans is right now you're a bad team and you need to be getting better. And you're not going to win games every single season and keep getting better rapidly. So you got to look for the small things, right? That's the only way to stay sane as a fan of a bad team is to look for the small things. Look for things that are improvements. You can still obviously criticize things that have not been improved, looking at the defense. But you got to find some. It doesn't have to be called a moral victory, but Oregon State's offense looked good. It did. So Jonathan Smith is doing his job on the offensive side of the ball. And you're just hoping the rest of it will follow suit. Isaiah Hodgins looks like a great find. Jamar Jefferson looks like a great find. Jake Luton looks like the correct choice to be the starter this year over Tristan Jebbia. It's just you got to look for positives or else you're going to be depressed all the time. Yeah, but I think the fact that you always have to look for positives is what makes everybody depressed. You know, like, I don't, I mean, when you're winning games, you're not looking for positives. You're, you you know what the positives are. You're looking like, for negatives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're trying to figure out where you can improve. Like, here's a situation to where if you're Oregon State, like, if you're a fan of Oregon State, and I think I think most people like Oregon State. I don't know, like, I mean, I didn't go to U of O, so I don't hate Oregon State. You know, I don't hate U of O. I don't hate either one of those teams. I want them both to succeed. That's, because that's how I feel exactly the same. I want them both to play well. It's just better for the state when both teams are good. You know, I've just, I've been there and I've kind of seen it, so. That's what I'll say. But I think you want to walk away knowing that you're competitive, like knowing that you're right there in the mix with everybody else. And don't nobody want to care, don't nobody care about the fact that you were competitive through the first quarter. Like, that's cool. Yeah, they moved the ball really, really well in the first quarter. Then what? You know, then they got uh, way far behind, and then they had to play catch-up for the rest well, of the right. game. Like, oh, but our receiver's really good, and he's probably going to go to the draft. Like, whenever you look at the guys that are going to go to the draft, and that's going to be your claim to fame, you know, like, what, they came from wide receiver you. They went to Oregon State. Like, yeah, that's cool, but, but look, what did it get me when you were when you were a student there? Or if you're a fan of Oregon State, what has that really gotten you? And if I, you're Jonathan Smith, and you come in, and there's one more two-win season or three-win season, like, at a point – You've got, if you're Oregon State's 
athletic department, man, you got to look and say, man, is this is this the right move? Because yes, guys are excited and it looks like the offense is moving, but we're not winning any games. This is the way I look at it. Oregon State was not beating Oklahoma State, right? I think most fans knew that going into this game. Oklahoma State was the better team. They were a two-touchdown favorite in the game. You still saw good play. And in a year where I think a lot of people are like P1 Dustin and expect them to be terrible and only beat Cal Poly, especially because Hawaii beat Arizona in week zero, you're like, oh, God, Hawaii might be Oregon State too. Seeing how they played against Oklahoma State to me shows that they could steal a game against a Pac-12 team this year. I think they can. And that's an improvement. Small steps equals an improvement. It's only year two under Jonathan Smith. Remember that. And Gary Anderson did not leave this program in a good spot. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I get it. Trust me. I understand what it's like to be a fan of a bad team. I was. My entire, my entire time being a Syracuse fan until last year, I've been a fan of a bad team. I get it. But I think Jonathan Smith is the right hire. And I think you just have to be able to look for some of those positives to get some of the patience to accept the fact that, look, they're not going to be great this year. And I don't think any Beaver fans expected them to be great this year. You just need to you need to see improvement, and I liked what I saw from the offense yesterday. That's all. That's all. I uh, know it's I, not a moral I, I victory; agree. it's just a positive. I agree. I put it on my on my Twitter and my Facebook. It's like, man, I like what I'm seeing from Oregon State right now. I love the fact that they're able to move the ball, and they did it quickly. Like, I mean, what was it? Six plays, seven plays for that first drive to for them to score. Like, it was under ten, and that's awesome. That means they were taking shots down the field. Guys were making plays. The the running uh, the holes were open so guys could make uh, big run plays. Like, yeah, it looked like a good Beavers team. And, you know, I think last year when they lost to Ohio State, the sentiment was, well, they're not going to play Ohio State every week. You know, they're not going to play a top-five team in the country every single week. So, yeah, if they did that against Ohio State, sky's the limit against everyone else, and then they just – you know, they again, competitive through games. And if you're a student at Oregon State and you go to these games on, you know, Saturdays or late night Fridays, depending on what the Pac-12 schedule says, and if you go to these games, like, I can imagine there's a bit of a lull. Like, yeah, it's cool, first quarter, but then once the first quarter's over, you're kind of like, all right, well, you guys ready to go to the party? You know, ready to get out of here? Because it doesn't look like they're going to come back on this team. So it's just – a Big 12 defense that they could have, and somebody just texted in, it was, a, it was a Big 12 defense. Like, they should have been able to score a lot of points on them. But they did. They scored 35, but they just couldn't stop, you know, anyone. So I think people are just kind of, if you're an Oregon State fan, just kind of sick of the moral victory. Like, it's it's awesome. Yes, yeah, they, they played hard. They didn't quit. Cool. But all the good teams play hard and don't quit. And so what does that really mean for your squad? But not all so, bad teams play hard and don't quit. No, they. So I they think don't. that's important. They, 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 they don't. But I mean, the fact that you—it's like a fighter that just keeps getting, or a guy that's in a fight and they just keep getting beat up, but they just keep coming back for more. And everybody's like, "All right, man, you're chill. You, you, you lost. You know, you lost. And you probably should quit." And Oregon State, at least, is still, still swinging. You know, they're not gonna give up the fight, which is good. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you still, still got your ass whooped, man. But we love you for, for trying. And they came this close. I'm holding my fingers up. This close to covering the spread as well. 16-point loss on a 14-point spread. Almost. Almost. <laughs> Almost did it for all you Beaver betters out there. That's got to be a tough one, too. All right. Coming up next, we switch gears into the NFL. Better you today, text line 55305, our first West Coast bias of the year. And we will be discussing the Seahawks fleecing the Houston Texans to get into Devion Clowney in the process. That is next here on Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Yeah. 
This is West Coast Bias, an in-depth look at the NFL's Western teams on Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. The first time we will hear that open, but not the last, as we will be doing this at 10-15 most weeks of the football season. We uh, focus on West Coast teams, and this one is an easy one this week. As the Seattle Seahawks completed a trade with the Houston Texans yesterday for pass rusher Jadeveon Clowney and basically gave up nothing. It felt like not nothing, but when you saw the original news stories that were saying the Texans were asking for Laramie Tunsil, who was a really good offensive tackle on the Dolphins and for Jadeveon Clowney, you're going, okay, so if Seattle's going to make this trade, they're going to have to give up someone good. And if they're asking for an offensive lineman, you're probably going to give up a young offensive lineman that you drafted or somebody. And it turns out they gave up two linebackers that were not exactly studs on their team and also got the Texans to pay $7 million to pay Jadeveon Clowney to go away. And I'm sitting there going, what? How did this how did the Seahawks get this done? And I think it's a great trade for Seattle. Absolutely massive trade for the Seahawks to get Clowney to come in for for that for that return. Oh, it's it was awesome for the Seahawks. You know, it's awesome for this defense who uh you know, gone through some struggles, you know, over the lost a lot of key guys on their defense. Still have some, you know, some hard hitters and some leaders on the team, but um is a much much different looking Seattle Seahawks team than uh, we've been used to seeing. So Jadevian Clowney coming and playing that DN spot is that's a huge get for any team. Like I think people are re- really down on Clowney because coming in number one overall pick, the expectation is that you're amazing uh, uh, immediately. And I, I don't think Clowney has been bad. I'm, I mean, I I think he's been better than a lot of people want to give him credit for. But the simple fact is, uh, I think anybody looks just like the second best player when J.J. Watt is on the other side, you know. And last year he got hurt, which has kind of been an issue, you know, for him. So he has dealt with some nagging injuries in his career, you know. And and I think that sucks. And that's you know, availability is the key to ability. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just one of those things. Like being there is everything. And the fact is, he's played. 15 last year, and then he played 14 the two years prior, 13 for his first year. So, well, he's still playing most of the season. He's playing though. most of the season, but I, I think for a, a guy like that, you're you're wanting more than you know what I'm saying. The, the nine nine sacks. I mean, he's never had 10 sacks in his in his career. You know, he's hadn't, hadn't had double digits. Now, nine sacks is is great. I mean, it means basically every other game. You know what I'm saying, or every two games, you you get a sack or two. Two games in a row, you'll get a sack and then not get another one for another couple games. Like, that's usually the way it works. But he just – he was kind of seen as expendable, clearly, because they didn't get anything really back for him. Well, like so the, here, here's the thing about this trade, and I'm reading about it. People are just destroying Houston for this trade because Clowney was leaving, and that was the problem, right? Clowney was going to leave Houston. He didn't want to resign after his deal was done. But so I understand wanting to trade him, but getting only a third round pick, a linebacker that the 
the Seahawks were going to cut. They were going to cut Barkevius Mingo. He had not played super well in the preseason. And then another linebacker in in uh, Jacob Martin. It doesn't make any sense because of what you were asking for Miami. You wanted a really good player, and instead you get some throwaways and a third-round pick. It was almost as if you were desperate to get rid of Clowney, so you just took the best available offer that was on the table because Miami turned you down. And then you go and trade with Miami anyway and get Tunsil and you give up first-round picks and you only got a third for Clowney back. So people are just looking at this and saying Houston made an absolutely foolish decision. What they should have done is wait out Clowney's demands for the year because he's going to be a free agent and then have his skill set and try to either trade him later in the year before the trade deadline or at least you're going to get a you would get a compensatory pick back for him if he signed with another team. So it just felt like a desperation move for no reason for Houston. Uh, on Seattle's side, Seattle has probably the best linebacker core in, in the in the in the NFL. I almost said in the country, like college football. In the NFL, KJ Wright, Bobby Wagner, Michael Kendricks is there. Don't forget, you got Shaquem Griffin. Really, really good linebacking core. But their defensive line and their pass rush left a little bit to be desired. Sure, Clowney looked great on the other side of J.J. Watt, but I think this is this fixes that instantly. You've now got a premier pass rusher on your line. It's just that simple. So no. I think it's great for the Seahawks. No, I think it's I think it's huge. And so uh, we'll we'll see. Like I mean, Clowney has been a guy that I've liked since he came out of college. You know, and again, dealt with some injuries and then tried to really figure out how to play the NFL game. But also, you we got to remember the guy that was supposed to be his mentor of sorts was J.J. Watt. And J.J. Watt missed a lot of time just because of injuries. And so Clowney and Watt never really – I think the one year they got a chance to really do stuff together was 2017. And what do you know? He had nine and a half sacks and had his most productive year as a as a NFL player. You know, so I think having that other guy on the other side of him or next to him was a huge coup for him. But now that that's not there, we'll see. Now, one thing we know, the Seahawks' defensive line has – you know, always been relatively competitive. You know, always at one point incredibly dominant. And so now with Clowney back, and I don't know if he's anywhere near uh, uh, Michael Bennett or any one of those guys that used to be up front for the Seahawks, but I'll tell you what, man, you got one of the best pass rushers in all of the NFL. And if you say otherwise, then you clearly haven't been watching Jadevian Clowney play. I also think Pete Carroll has been coming out and really praising this team during this preseason. He thinks they're going to be really good. So this kind of a trade to me is, and this has been rumored for a bit, there's been a lot of rumors that Seattle was going to be able to get Clowney or at least was attempting to get Clowney. To me, this is a kind of a win-now move for the Seahawks. They feel very, very strongly that this team is going to be a good team. And I think most people think the Rams are going to win the division, right? NFC West is probably the Rams to to lose. But Seattle makes the playoffs and has a solid offense with – uh, a really, really good defense again, and all of a sudden Seattle's back to a team that can compete for a Super Bowl. And I'm not sure that they can get that to that level this year. There's a couple of more pieces they probably need to add to reach that level, but and there are a couple of really, really good teams in the NFL still ahead of them, in my opinion. But you very rarely hear Pete Carroll talks glowingly about how great the team is. You know, he, he, he talks about things that need to be improved, and he's always really positive, but he never just comes out and says, we're this good. I feel like they they feel like there's something special coming in Seattle this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely something special. Something's in the water. And I think they feel the fact that last year they made the playoffs and didn't really have the team that they wanted. You know, they really out you know outlived everybody's expectations. You know, nobody thought the Seahawks would be that competitive. We on the show, including me, said the Seahawks would be the worst team 
in the NFC West last year. And turns out they were the second best team in the in the conference. So made the playoffs. in the division. Yeah. So they were uh, uh, and it all starts with Russell Wilson, you know, and it looks like they kind of tried to fix up that offensive line and give him some some protection a little bit. And it's a good thing they didn't trade offensive line for Clowney. No, they absolutely, because they, need, they need all the ones they can get. Um, I think people are high on DK Metcalf. You know, we don't know what's going to happen after he comes back from the injury and everything, but he you, might be ready for week one, they're saying, but it's yeah, kind of Yeah, I've seen that too, air. but I mean, so with that, I'm just going to go ahead and say he probably doesn't play till like week two, week three, but um. You look at everything the Seahawks have set up, and then, oh, by the way, you know, Russell Wilson, top five quarterback in the NFL, you've got an opportunity to do some stuff. Like, we saw the Niners lost a lot of pieces. We don't know exactly what you're going to get from Garoppolo. Uh, we don't – I'm not at all confident in what Arizona is going to put on the field. You know, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and company, I don't know at all what's going to happen there. That offensive line is awful. The Rams, you know, they could have their comeback to earth season, but with that roster, it's hard to say that they're going to be anything, you know, but a 12-win, 13-win team again this year. So the Seahawks have an opportunity. Really, they're competing with the Rams. Everybody else is just trying to play catch-up at this point. I think Seattle, if anybody's going to dethrone the Rams in that division, it'd be the Seahawks. This text came in, and it's a good point, and it's the one question mark about this trade for the Seahawks is, Seattle had a premier pass rusher. His name was Frank Clark, and he's better than Clowney, so it's not like the defense is really going to be improved. That is the one question that I have on this, is if you wanted to trade assets to get Jadeveon Clowney, why didn't you just re-sign Frank Clark? You let him go to the Chiefs, and he was really, really good. Now, part of me wonders if you let him go because of his history. You know, he had the, he had the sexual assault stuff come up, and he was a risk in the draft. And he was a guy who just wasn't exactly a good person. So I wonder if you wanted out from under that potential issue. Sure, he was great on the field, but maybe you wanted to get away from the off-the-field issues that he had been having. And maybe that's it. And if that's the case, then I'll give a round of applause to the Seahawks. Bravo, you made a decision that was right morally. And you still got a player who... In this trade, it may be not as good as Frank Clark, but close enough that you still have the pass rush. And, But I guess that would be the only question is why not re-sign Frank Clark if you really needed a pass rusher this bad? I, I mean, clearly there was some some other things going. It, it worked out for, for the Texans because, you know, I think the Texans were just over Clowney. And for them, it's like, yes, give me anybody, and it's all good. But I don't – I mean, I'm not sure why they didn't re-sign Frank Clark. I mean, for maybe all the reasons you just mentioned. But – uh Better than Clowney, yes, but I don't – or maybe – Domestic know. violence, not sexual assault, by yeah. the way. I just wanted to be clear about that. Yeah, so – Neither is good, just didn't want no, to have neither, the – No, neither is great. Have and the wrong your accusation. Name is, your name is attached to either one of them, then it's – it's you're, you can pretty much consider yourself, you know, doomed for, for the most part. But I think it's a, a good way to kind of, you know, at least patch things up over there. You know, you lose Frank Clark, but then you go out and get Jadevian Clowney now – it's not a huge step backwards. I don't even think it's a, a a step backwards. I think that's kind of a almost like a lateral move, you know, just considering what Clowney brings to your team. So, I mean, it, it could be a really good thing for Seattle. I think it's going to be a good thing for Seattle. I think the Texans got the, you know, the, the bitter end on this one just because I saw uh, J.J. Watt didn't even know about the trade. Like, And I'm one of those people that feels like, if we're going to make a trade that's going to affect what you do and really affect maybe your ability to get certain incentives on your contract, you should probably let your star player know. I'm just saying there's certain things like if you're – I wasn't mad at Aaron Rodgers for being upset that his quarterback coach got 
you know, got fired or whatever. Like, man, this is the person that's incredibly important to my success at my position. I would at least let me know that you're going to fire him or don't let a fan be the one to tell me or find out via Twitter or, you know, Instagram that uh, the my teammate or the person that plays right next to me has been traded. Now that's going to change everything that we have to do as a team. Like, I feel like organizations have to do a better job of, I'm not saying catering to their stars, but at least let their stars know, you know, your job is going to look a little bit different. All right, we got a break. Coming up next, let's do a little bit of an NFL news and notes. There was plenty of other stuff that happened. Former Duck Kiko Alonso traded. You had, uh, we mentioned Tunsil being traded. Ezekiel Elliott might get his big money contract after all. It might be done this weekend, according to Adam Schefter. LaShawn McCoy is gone. He's now a Kansas City Chief. Lots of stuff to get to. But first, I have SportsCenter. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 1032, a couple of segments to go here on Football Sunday, and we will not be doing hate it or love it here because, well, I'm in here in the studio today, and Jesse is in Vegas, so we'll just be talking. That's disappointing. Talking some football. Uh, I mean... You won last week. Did I win last week? I think I broke the streak, right? You did. Yeah. So, so. I get a chance to get the title back. So I, I have now it. won two weeks in a row, right? Is that how this works? Uh, no. What? According what? to Rashad logic. No, I actually did the hate it or love it. I uh-huh. won. Regardless uh-huh. of who I was competing against, uh-huh. I still won. I'm sure you did. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. Just saying. All the all those shows that I wasn't here, you still won somehow. I, I, I went against somebody. In some cases, I had two people here. And... Oh, so you had to replace me with two people yeah, and beat both of them too. Uh, so were you double counting those weeks? No, no, I just count. I counted all as, uh-huh. as one win. But so you really had, you know, like one, one win, win but you counted as. Like and if nine. you weren't here, I'm taking that as a forfeit. Like if you don't show up for something, doesn't that like? No, we play a game and you don't show up. That's like a forfeit, right? No. How's it not? Because it was pre-planned as as a as an out. I was out injured. That's not a forfeit. But if you but if you're scheduled to play a game and you can't be there. It's a forfeit. Right, but we I didn't but we I, didn't reschedule the game. <laughs> yeah, that's a forfeit. If so facto, I win. <laughs> uh, so we're not doing hate it or love it today. We will be just doing a bit of an NFL whip around, if you will. There was a lot of news yesterday outside of the Jevion Clowney trade and the Laramie Tunsil trade. And we'll start with what I think was probably the most shocking move of the day. And I don't know how surprising it was to some people, but the Bills cut LaShawn McCoy. And the reason it's shocking is because the Bills for the entire offseason have been saying McCoy is our starter. We wouldn't have brought him back if he wasn't going to be our starter. Why would we not have him be our number one guy? And they cut him anyway. And I'm not surprised because of his performance. He was averaging three yards of carry. He's been injured a lot. He's no longer the Shady McCoy that we're used to. But just because they kept keeping him on this pedestal, seeing him get cut, was a shock. Now they've got a, a rookie quarter or running back named Devin Singletary from Florida Atlantic, who apparently has just been killing it in the, uh, in the preseason. And they've got Frank Gore who never dies and TJ Yeldon on their team. So they've got three running backs who have two of them who have experience. And one of them who's been considered really, really good and they don't need four. So I understand cutting McCoy and he makes a lot of money and it makes sense, but I was still surprised because he's LaShawn McCoy. And it's very rare to see big name players get cut. It really is. No, it was it was crazy. Like I mean, 
I mean, Shady McCoy, somebody that's been in the league now, this will be uh, year 10, I believe, for him. And, you know, somebody that's been uh, a 1,000-yard rusher pretty much every other year of his career, you know, for the most part. Um, and some of them he dealt with the ones that he didn't get 1,000 yards, he didn't play a full season. He dealt with some injuries in between there. But for pretty much outside of his rookie year, every year that he's played a full season, he's got 1,000 yards. I think this is awesome for a team like the Chiefs who um, – Really, they let's just be real. Losing a guy like Kareem Hunt hurts. I mean, say what you want to about you know everything that he's going through and everything, and we will talk a whole lot about that. But uh, a game breaker like Kareem Hunt Hunt hurts when you lose that guy. Am I going to say Shady McCoy is going to be that? I mean, absolutely not. But what he does is he provides some depth. You know, with guys like Damian Williams and who is the projected Thompson. number one? Yes, who's the projected number one? And Derwin Thompson, uh, Thompson, like all of a sudden. You've got a three-headed monster that you can throw out there, and Shady McCoy is still very good, especially once you get towards um, the the red zone. So he's somebody that I think it's still, and he's a great uh, a great back out of the backfield catching catching footballs. So he's somebody that can still be very very good for a team. It's good for him now. He doesn't have to play that number one role. He doesn't have to get hit as much. So he probably won't be hurt as much, and that means he's probably going to provide a little more um, stability to a team that still I think they're still looking for that exciting running back. And if you get a guy like that paired with Damian Williams, I think that can kind of make up for what you lost in Kareem Hunt. The only question I have is I don't know if he's actually going to be good enough to do that because last year he played 14 games. He only averaged 3.2 yards per carry, 514 yards on the ground. I mean, he's old. LaShawn McCoy is old, especially for a running back at this point in his career. And so much of his game was based on being shifty, shady, and being able to kind of move around and, and do quick little cuts. And when you get older, you're not as fast anymore. You're not as quick. So sure. He'll be a complimentary back to a guy like Damian Williams. And I think Kansas city's taking a risk on a guy who's had a really good career, but I just don't know if he has it anymore. See, I, I think he's going to a place to where they're set up to win. Now. I mean, when you leave a place like Buffalo and you know, you're not going to win anything. And historically, if you leave the Browns, we see guys come from other teams that just don't have winning cultures to get there and like, okay, this is how we win football games. And this is fun again. You know, all of a sudden, LaShawn McCoy hasn't won a football season uh, since Philadelphia. And that was uh, some time ago with Chip Kelly, you know, when they had like the 13-3 and season. So that was a, a while ago. That was, what, six, seven years ago? Something like that? Six years ago? The Chip Kelly experiment in uh, – Is that that long already? Yeah, in, in Philadelphia. So – I think when you go to a team that has a, a great culture and a building a culture, it's going to be much different for you, and you're going to have a you know going to have more fun playing. You look at anybody that went for, to the Patriots for a year; they found out playing football is fun again because you're winning again, and then everything's changed. You got a little more juice in those legs. I think once he gets to a place like Kansas City with that quarterback and with that receiver uh, core and with some of those guys in the defense, like okay, well this is fun. All of a sudden, I like playing football again. Carlos Hyde was on the Chiefs. He is now on the Texans, and uh, that is a good move for Houston, I think, because remember you lose – oh, my God, I'm going to forget the name of the running back. Lamar Miller. There you go. Lamar Miller for the season with the torn ACL, and all you had was Duke Johnson, who is a good catch passer and not a great number one running back. So now you got Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. I think that was a good move for the Texans to bring Hyde in. Yes. He has not been as good as he was early in his career, but I think he's a solid number one back to have in that kind of a system. No, I, th I think the Texans, this where they lost Clowney, you know, they kind of were able to make up for it. They added Kenny uh, Stills as well. It, Kenny Stills, who I think was 
trying to get out of, you know, Miami as as soon as possible, especially after the whole Jay-Z thing and him kind of voicing his frustration. The coach played Jay for like eight straight, you know, plays or so eight straight songs at practice. That's just kind of big a big middle finger to Kenny Stills. So I think he was ready to go. It, he showed he was ready to go. I think that it helps out Deshaun Watson, you know, again, you get another capable receiver to go along with that bevy of weapons that you have already. That only goes to help a player like Deshaun Watson get the ball out of his hands uh, much quicker. So uh, we'll see kind of how how it works out as far as the run game. You know, you lose Lamar Miller because, you know, of the injury. I'm not sure how many people th- see that as a loss, though. You know, uh, that sounds really bad, but... Lamar Miller is better than Carlos Hyde. Lamar, oh, yeah, he's better than Carlos Hyde, but Duke Johnson is better than Lamar Miller, I believe. You know what I mean? I just, really? That's just, I, 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 I He's never he proven it, but you know, I, be. I believe he is. Mar- Lamar Miller had one really, really good year in Miami, and then he's had some okay, you know, years since then. So adding Carlos Hyde, who's an older back, again, you give yourself an option. You give yourself a different look running the ball. So I think it's only a good thing for the Texans, who I project will still be one of those teams that compete for a, for a trip to the Super Bowl for the AFC. The – Dolphins also traded former Oregon Duck linebacker and former Buffalo Bill linebacker, if you want to go full circle here, Kiko Alonso to the New Orleans Saints. Now, Alonso's been, I think, really good over the course of his career. He's always leading his team in tackles when he's there. And going to a team like the Saints is great for him. He gets to go to a team that's that's going to win, that's going to be in the playoff hunt. And the Dolphins just wanted to get out from under his salary. They've got a ton of other young linebackers they drafted, and they just didn't want to pay Kiko Alonso. So the Saints get him. I think it's a great get for the Saints to get Alonso in there because if anything is a weakness on that team, it's their defense. And having another sure tackler who's all over the field all the time is is a great get for New Orleans. Especially at that linebacker position for New Orleans. You know, that's, that's definitely going to be able to help them out. Man, Kiko Alonso is somebody who, man, he just, the kid just knows how to play how to play football, man. He, he, he shows up everywhere. He knows how to tackle. Um, I think that's a huge, huge get for the saints. Just because like you said, I think a, a couple years ago, that defense was solid. And now it's, I think there are still some question marks around it, but I think Kiko definitely steps in and, and changes a lot of that for you. So I think that's a huge get, gift. And if Sean, if you're Sean Payton, you're smiling today. He's like, man, we might've just got away with, with one with getting Kiko Alonso Loki. Uh, maybe. Yeah. It's part of the dolphins just getting rid of everybody good, but I did see. So the dolphins are in full tank mode, right? Yeah. And we knew that going into the season and and they had some guys that they might've, they were talking about trading and obviously Kiko Alonso was one of them, but they're in full tank mode. They're starting Ryan Fitzpatrick and they've got Josh Rosen who has not looked great early in his career as their quarterback. And they have now acquired so many draft picks that I almost feel like this is going to be one of the, unless, you know, obviously it depends on who they draft, but this could be one of the most successful quick tank jobs in NFL history. Real quick. Here's what they have. What'd you say? Quick turnaround. Yeah. Here's what they have. They have two first round picks in this coming draft, their own and Houston's. They have two second round picks in this coming draft, their own and new Orleans. They also have their own third round pick. In 2021, they have two first-round picks, their own in Houston's. They have two second-round picks, their own in Houston's, and they have their own third-round pick in the next two drafts. So they can either, A, if they're, if they're bad enough this year, which they probably will be, that first-round pick for them might be the number one or number two pick in the NFL. Or 
they can decide they want to combo some of those picks if they're not the number one pick and, tra- and trade up to get number one, whether it's Herbert or Tua or or whoever in the draft this year. Or next, they can wait for 2021 and try to get Trevor Lawrence <laughs> as the number one overall pick. Yeah, that's a so, long time to be bad. How about the Dolphins? Let's give them a round of applause for getting this many draft picks on one single day. They made so many trades yesterday that they are now loaded in draft capital. And that's exactly where you want to be if you're not a good team. No, yeah, you want to be in a position to where you can keep building. And this this way, um, if you're trying to get a new head coach, that's an easy way to be able to say, hey, man, you got a bunch of picks that you can use and try to rebuild this team and everything and make it your team. And I think that's where you need to be if you're Miami, if you're Buffalo, if you're really any team in the AFC East, not named the Jets. The Jets look like they're kind of on the uptick. You know, at least I think if there's any team that's going to win the AFC East, it's not the Patriots. It'd be the Jets. You know, if there's any team that's going to give them a run for their money, it's going to be them. But Sam Darnold year two. I mean, I think the other two teams uh, are just in this football purgatory. But at least if you're in football purgatory, you want to have a bunch of draft picks and assets that you can be able to go out there and get some. So they're at least in a good spot. They're trying their best to suck uh, so they can maybe get a Justin Herbert or whomever they from Utah state that's going to be in the draft that we've never heard of before like they're going to go out and get one of those that guys. quarterback's actually pretty good utah state's quarterback yeah okay well, <laughs> i think i think you said utah state because you knew they had a good quarterback oh no i'd say utah state because i don't think anybody expects anybody from utah state to be a number one pick in the draft or the top no you just like we didn't expect the the number six pick to go for to a guy from duke that's not zion williamson nope or you know, you know i mean we expected it but carson wentz from yeah, North, North like, Dakota State, right? We heard a lot about him, and, you know, then that came. But Daniel Daniel Jones, I don't think we heard anything about that guy. So it's just kind of one of those says, things. They better draft help before a quarterback. That quarterback, Herbert or Tua, whoever, will die next year. And that's, what, you know, <laughs> I, I, think that's the, I think that's fair. You know, if you're really in the business of trying to suck and wait for Trevor Lawrence to come out, then then take these couple years and just get you some draft picks that are offensive linemen. Go out there and draft linemen, trade for linemen, sign linemen, make sure you you have your line set, and then go get that quarterback. See, here's the cold part. If you're a, a rookie quarterback, you get paid so much up front to where you don't have time to wait. If they're paying you for, what, f- uh, four years to start, five years, you don't have three years to sit behind – insert quarterback here to learn the system like they want you to win now and so when you're josh rosen you get thrown out there behind that terrible offensive line or you're kyler murray you have no turns no chance to learn you get thrown out there behind that horrible offensive line it's 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 gonna be a problem so if you're miami and you're trying to get a quarterback go build a line first not everybody's russell wilson is going to be able to run away from the defense all the time and make plays. So you need to go out there and build yourself an offensive line that's going to keep your quarterback safe and then give yourself a chance to win. I just said this on Twitter, and this is where we'll leave this segment. With all the picks in the 2020 draft, the Miami Dolphins select Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, everybody on Alabama. The Alabama offensive line. The entire Alabama team will now be the Miami Dolphins. And then Nick Saban will go coach in the NFL again. All right. Miami? Yeah, again. Again, yeah. yeah. All right, let's break. Coming up next, we'll wrap this sucker up. This is Football Sunday on The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Final segment here on Football Sunday. Mike Rashad with you. Jess will be back next week as we will be doing 
Our first NFL version of Football Sunday. Thursday. Yes. Bears-Packers. The opening game of the NFL season. That's tight. You're not excited about that? I mean, yeah. It's a classic game for the 100th year of the NFL. It is. It is. You know. Cool. Are you sad? You're just sad the Patriots don't get to play in the opening game. Oh, we played. They get Sunday night football. We played in enough opening games. Oh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're excuse good. me. <laughs> we're good. No, I mean it should be a good game. You know, with the, with that defense of the Bears and uh, how they hopefully they've improved. Hopefully, Trubisky has improved massively uh, moving into this year. And then new they, running back Jordan Montgomery is running back. Hype you know, around so him. there's a lot to see there. And then a a Ron. You know, and and company. We'll we'll see how Matt Lafleur as the new head coach. We'll see how his relationship with his new head coach works out. You know, they don't seem like they like each other very much. But I'm one of those guys that believe that you don't have to like each other to work well together. Is Aaron Rodgers like anybody? I don't think so, man. I think he likes beer or chugging beer. You know, no, he doesn't because he was bad at that too. Yeah, I mean, well, he like she likes to try. He's a good trier, you know, (laughs) of of chugging beer. Like that's one of those things. Like if you know you're not a chugger. Just just take the pass. Like, nah, I'm just going to sip it. Or just look like you're going to chug, take a sip. Oh, boo. Yeah, you're going to get booed. Just don't embarrass yourself by trying to chug, you know, a 12-ounce beer or a 16-ounce beer, and you know that that's not really your forte. So we got this text. There's a Bills fan who's been texting us as we dis- discuss the Shady McCoy thing. And I'm curious what you feel about this. He goes, Josh Allen's better than Darnold, and the Bills roster is far superior to the Jets. Where is what I would say. So – I understand the, the some of the love for Allen, right? He he had a good end of the year last year. I don't believe in Josh Allen. I don't. Uh, he was fantastic running the football last year. He really was. But I don't trust him as a quarterback yet. He has to prove it to me more than he has so far. Not that Darnold has either. I just think Darnold is a better pocket passer than Josh Allen is. And I also think he has better receivers than Josh Allen does. Now, the receiving cores for both of them, they're not exactly spectacular, right? The Bills have Cole Beasley, Zay Jones, John Brown. The Jets have Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, Quincy Anunua. None of those scream, hey, we're great receivers. I just think the Jets have better receivers. I do. I think those three are better than the Bills three. I think Le'Veon Bell is better than Devin Singletary. Uh, you, you can say what you want about Bell, but he just took a year off. Don't forget how good Le'Veon Bell was with the Steelers before he took a year off holding out with, for a contract. So at least on that sense, I think the Jets are better. Yeah, defensively the bills are good they always they always i feel like they always will be good defensively yeah. but i think if you're talking skill positions i think the jets are a better team yeah i think defensively as it, as it stands i think the the bills are in a good spot defensively offensively is where all the question marks kind of come in but never forget man todd bowles spent a few years building this defense didn't really get a lot of offensive guys but he tried to build a defense and so adam gase inherited a whole bunch of defense and then oh yeah adam gase is an offensive minded coach so you give him a Sam Darnold who is protective. All these guys that got drafted last year, he's projected to be the one. He was going to be the best one. Then you got in Jamison Crowder, who's arguably the best slot receiver in the entire league next to a Julian Edelman or some other, some other guys. Man, you get, like you mentioned, uh, you went and got a Lavian Bell, who is a top five running back easy in the NFL. Like, your offensive line is solid. Like, you're if you're the Jets, you're in a good position to turn some heads today. Like you, I, it's not for me. I see the jets winning six to eight games this year. Like, I mean, honestly, I think they're going to be a better team than people are going to give them credit for. And the bills, Josh Allen's still your quarterback. 
I think That's, the Bills could also win six to eight games. I just I think the know. Jets are better. Yeah, That's I think all. the Jets are a better team. I see or the, the Jets have in five. The Jets have more potential to be better. That's all I'm saying. I guess it's the right way to put it. As it stands, you know, I think the the Bills may have better defensive players, but I think I'm not going to sneeze at what the Jets put out there defensively. Their defense is also pretty good, but they have better, like you said, better skill positions, better offensive players than the Bills do. So for that reason, I think they're going to be the second team in the in, in the AFC East this year. Are you ready for some fantasy football next week? We're going to start our first fantasy scramble. It's going to be at 930 and head right until the first kick at 10 o'clock. You ready? I, I Are you am. Excited but, about your team? You know, I'm, I'm I'm super excited about my team. My team is dope. You know, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, week one fantasy is always it's always tough though because you never know what's going to happen. I had David Johnson first play broke his hand. You know, out for the season. You know what I mean? So things like that happen. You know, quite often that guy you thought was going to kill doesn't quite, and the backup does work. So week one is always a weird week. I say don't put too much stock into what happens to your team week one nobody ever wins a championship based on the first week of fantasy or even the second week for that matter. but if you want to try we'll be here next week 9 30 till 10 as part of our two-hour show helping you with our fantasy scramble jesse will be back he is the fantasy expert of the three of us but we all give you our picks for various start sick questions so we'll be doing that next week so if you're into fantasy football and you haven't listened to the show before tune in next week and you'll be able to get help at all various position battles that you need I even have a question for myself that I'll be asking next week as well. Based on Devin Singletary, who I drafted, thanks to the help of Jesse Osmond. And now I got to decide if he's going to get a bulk of the carries and if I should start him at my flex this week. So that'll be coming up next week as well. That's going to do it for us today. If you missed any of the show, you can find it on the Les Schwab Tires podcast on 1080thefan.com. Thanks for texting the Better You Today text line at 55305. We'll be back next week, week one of the NFL season. Thanks so much for listening. ones for Pat. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.